welcome, welcome. Welcome to episode two of the Carrot Juice Podcast. This is your host, Monte. Thank you for joining me. Um, this is episode two. So as I already prefaced, we're going to be talking about in this show a great film. If you haven't already caught it, it's called Judas and the Black Messiah. It was released, I believe, a couple weeks ago. It's currently in theaters, but you also can catch it on HBO Max. I would encourage you, if you have not seen this film already, already watched Judas and the Black Messiah, pause this episode, go take the time, watch the film, and then come back. All right, so let's get into it. So Judas and the Black Messiah is about Fred Hampton. I had some knowledge beforehand about the Black Panthers, and I kind of vaguely knew that something happened to them um, involving uh, some people being murdered at some point. But when I tell you my eyes were open when I watched this film, that's an understatement. So, starting out, I just want to highlight my thoughts about Daniel Kaluuya. I seen him act before in Get Out. But when I tell you every time I see him on the screen now, I am so impressed by his complexity and his ability to adapt to his roles as a actor. It's stunning. Like in this film, he was so powerful. He gave like the portrayal really made you feel what was going on in that time. And he his speeches like I found myself repeating I am a revolutionary I am a revolutionary I was repeating that to myself just walking around like it was something that was just stuck in my head and they give you chills literally when you go and actually listen to him and listen to the message behind what he was doing so kudos to him in this film because if he doesn't win a major award due to his his you know attention to detail in this role, I don't know what else the brother needs to do. So that was stellar. And the different trials and tribulations that he had to go through in his life, man, he was very young too while all this was going on when he was um organizing the the black panther party and getting people together and unifying people he was a teenager and when he ultimately um was assassinated i believe he was 21 so um, there's a lot a lot there there's a lot of context that you at least not, I know for myself, I had to go back and look at and research after I saw the film. But let me not digress too far. So, Daniel Kaluuya, stellar, stellar performance in this film. Um, I'll watch anything that he's in. 
moving forward. He's starting to get on the level of some of the higher level actors, in my opinion, such as Denzel Washington. Anything he does, I'll I'll watch. Uh, my guy, uh, Joker. Um, it's uh oh, Joaquin. Yeah, Joaquin Phoenix. Anything that he does now, I'll definitely check out because they deserve that level because of just the consistency with how they go about what they do. So, in this movie, it's Judas and the Black Messiah and the parallels to Fred joining the people had a lot lot of different parallels to Jesus in the Bible. And I thought that the way that the story developed and how he was always thinking of the other person was powerful. Um, I I hearken back to the time when um, he was uh, put in prison, wrongfully, by the way. I think in the movie it said that he was put in prison because he stole like $70 worth of like ice cream or something nuts like that. And he had to do some significant time for that while the party had been developing, you know, some unity and they put a bogus charge on him. When I say they, I mean the federal government. So that was wild. I couldn't believe that that held up in court. Uh, so while that was going on and he was in prison, the FBI in the movie, they were trying to figure out whatever way they could to try to, you know, stop what he was doing. And I felt like it wasn't that he was just joining black people in the Black Panther Party in this movie that was really significant. It's other things you don't hear about. He went to white people in his community, you know, and people, there was a Confederate flag up in a meeting that he went to and he joined hands with them and extended the olive branch and said, hey, you guys are in the same neighborhood as us. We're we're being treated unfairly. We're all being treated unfairly by uh, law enforcement, by the government in this in this community. So let's all join together. So he went and joined up the white people. He went to the Puerto Rican people and told them, Hey, we're in the same boat. We're being treated unfairly. You guys matter in this community as well. And he joined them and he went to the other, uh, black gangs, empowerment, organizations such as the crowns as well and join forces with them and all together those different groups joined something called the rainbow coalition and it was when that happened and the rainbow coalition joined it's when things really started to slip away from the government and then at that point in the film I believe that's when they were like, okay, we got to get this guy out of here. So that's something that a lot of the portrayals of the Black Panthers and what you hear on the media and what you see on TV, I never knew about. And that was fascinating. So this, this film really opened my eyes and forced me to think about a lot about 
what does it mean to what what the Black Panthers really meant? Basically, what I'm trying to say. Uh, so uh, kudos to whoever wrote this story and who who put all of this together. Uh, Ryan Krugler is uh, he's a beast as a director. He he directed uh, Fruitvale Station. If you haven't ever seen that movie with Michael B. Jordan, stellar, very sad, very sad movie, but it, it it's moving like you aren't human. If you can watch Fruitvale Station and go through the whole film and not have, not cry. Like watery eyes, like uh, it's it's that moving. And it seems like Ryan Krugler, he just has a. A pulse on getting that emotion out of the audience and really delivering a film that has impact. Anytime I watch one of the films that he has directed or produced or been a part of, they've been high quality. So kudos to that brother. Moving on. Oh, before we get there, we're going to take a little break here to pay some bills. So we're going to talk about um, another one of my takeaways from the film after this message. All right. And we are back. So we talked about Daniel. Now I want to talk about the other character in this movie, Judas, who was William O'Neill, Wild Bill, Bill O'Neill. So the movie actually started with Bill outside of a bar, kind of pacing, uh, brooding, as you will, outside of the bar. And eventually he went into that bar and impersonated an FBI agent, flashed a fake badge, you know, shook down some of his fellow uh, brothers and eventually he commandeered one of their keys, keys to a vehicle that they had outside that he was eyeing. And while while doing so and trying to get out of the bar, he they discovered that he was a young kid. I believe at the time this was going on, he was 17. So he eventually gets out to the vehicle, gets away, and a cop pulls up. He gets arrested, then he gets interrogated, and during that interrogation, I think one of the most significant conversations of the whole movie happens. Uh, the FBI agent, um, I'm not thinking of his name right now, I can't remember, but the guy who played Todd in Breaking Bad, everybody knows who that is. Uh, so the FBI agent, he asks Bill, he says, what, how, in so many words, he said, uh, what did you, how did you feel when Martin Luther King died? Bill just kind of pauses for a moment. And he, he doesn't really acknowledge the question. FBI agent asks after that, what did you think of the um, assassination of Malcolm X? And Bill, I believe he says, I really, 
don't have much thoughts on that or something of that nature. Basically, what I saw and as it plays itself out in the movie, the FBI agent was probing Bill to find out if he was really down for the cause or not. So fast forward after that point, the FBI gives Bill a deal. If he agrees to be an informant for the FBI, he will not have to serve the six days well, six years of jail that he had like looming over him or whatever. So during the movie, he's the antagonist and he's the counter to everything that Fred is doing. So he ends up, ends up, Bill ends up infiltrating the Black Panther organization. And during that time, he's learning what they're about. He's going to their courses, their classes about, you know, the organization. And during that time, what you start to see is Bill realizes that they're not a terrorist organization like the FBI is telling him. They really are protecting the community. Breakfast for the children, you know, feeding hundreds of kids in the community, you know, every week, teaching people about their heritage protecting people who are in need in the community when the powers that be the government law enforcement were not doing their job they were not holding up their end of the bargain in their neighborhood as far as they were concerned so throughout the movie bill is reporting back to the fbi agent about what he's seen and the fbi agent keeps telling him that no, they're bad, they're terrorists and all that. But that's not what Bill is seeing. So he's conflicted. And I'll tell you, when you're watching this movie, I don't know about you, but I felt kind of bad for Bill. That seems crazy to say, but I felt kind of bad for Bill. And Bill was played by uh, Lakeith Stanfield, by the way. Really great actor. Um... This was one of his best roles, I believe. But I I did feel bad for him because he was so conflicted and he was such a young kid. I, like, I didn't realize until after the movie that he was 17 when he got put into this predicament. So the contrast that was made and that was pulled off in this movie between Daniel, the black messiah, Fred Hampton, and while Bill, Bill O'Neill, the FBI informant, I thought it was genius. Because although Fred was the main focal point of the movie throughout the entire film, Bill was just as integral because I found myself really feeling bad for him because I felt like he was being manipulated the most by the powers that be throughout this entire situation. And there was also multiple times throughout the film where I was hoping that he would change his mind and that he would do the time for the cause. 
And as we all know, that 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 didn't happen. But my goodness, uh, long story short, the acting, the storyline, the way everything came together was stellar. Oh, and I'm, I'm not even mentioning the like jazz line, like the theme that played at the beginning of the movie hard. It was hard. I loved it. Really, like, uh, it was old, like, mobsterish almost. Like, gangster in a classy way. Feeling that a lot. So, with that, we have Daniel, Messiah. We have Wild Bill, Judas, and then we have the FBI. These three integral parts of the film and then we have the pretty much wrench that put the twist on the entire thing which was uh, Fred he went to prison for the ice cream mishap and then eventually he gets um, he appeals his you know sentence or whatever and the ruling comes back that his appeal is denied and he's going to have to go back to prison. Well, the FBI, they weren't okay with that. They wanted him to be gone because he formed together the Rainbow Coalition. Remember, that was the whites, the blacks, the Puerto Ricans, joining all of those groups that were um, no longer together. Oh, and the crowns, joining all of them together. They couldn't have that. They wanted to get him out of there. So when that happened, the FBI started formulating a plan on how to take him out, take Fred out and, you know, destroy the Black Panthers. So uh, more on that later. Got to pay a couple of bills. We'll be right back with the conclusion and some of my final thoughts. After this message. And we're back. So the one of the best scenes of the entire movie, in my opinion, was when FBI agent calls Bill um, to a dinner because he was like whining and dining this guy and giving him money for being an informant. But he called him to a dinner after the ruling came down, called Bill to a dinner and asked Bill, I need the full floor plan to Fred, Fred's apartment. And Bill looked back at him and Bill said, like, you guys have won. The ruling came down already that Fred's going back to jail, right? And then Bill asked him, like, are you trying to kill him? And Bill was conflicted. He didn't know what to do. Eventually, he goes ahead and shows him the floor plan because the FBI agent uh, pretty much blackmailed him and told him, hey, if you don't do this, we'll let everybody know that you're a rat, you're an informant, and you'll get taken care of like how they've done to other rats. Because earlier in the movie, if you don't remember... 
they like tortured and threw one of the other informants that got found out into um, a lake after pouring boiling water all over his body. So Bill was, of course, fearful for that. So he ended up co uh, excuse me, he ended up agreeing to that. So fast forward, um, Bill goes to a bar and this is probably one of my favorite scenes in the entire movie. Bill goes to a bar and at the end of the bar, there's a black woman and a older black gentleman who's kind of dressed in like a pimp garb, like dressed kind of like a pimp name, slick back, like very, uh, you know, flamboyant and all that. And he's trying to talk to the young lady, you know, trying to, you know, um, what's the best word or way to say this, uh, trying to seduce her in a way. So she walks off and comes over and talks to Bill and Bill, he's kind of, you know, brooding and is drinking and doesn't really want to be bothered. But, uh, he, you know, is cordial and says hi. So eventually the young lady gets up and walks off to the bathroom and the gentleman, the older gentleman dressed like a pimp walks over to Bill and he hands Bill a newspaper that has a vial of a poison in it. And he tells Bill, you know what you got to do. You need to put it in his drink. Referring to Fred, the chairman of the Black Panther Party. Bill doesn't acknowledge any involvement in knowing what he's talking about. And he denies that he's an informant. He's like, I, I don't know what you're talking about, right? So the older gentleman in the suit walks off, walks down the alleyway. Bill follows him. And keeps asking him, and I just think this was sweet, keeps asking him, like, show me a badge, show me a badge, or whatever. So, the guy ends up sitting down, well, getting into his clean-ass Cadillac. And Bill is still knocking on the door and asking him, show me a badge, show me a badge. And then that's when that initial theme song plays. When the guy throws the badge back at Bill. That Bill had at the beginning of the movie when he stole that car from those young brothers in the bar. I just thought that was phenomenal the way they put that together. Uh, kudos to the production, cinematography, everybody that worked on the theme and everything. I just felt like it was powerful the the way they delivered um moments like that in this film and i would recommend uh recommend it to a lot of people because it opened my eyes to not only uh, what was going on around that time but the significance of the uh, black panthers uh, we all know how the story ends uh, the fbi ends up raiding the uh, black panther compound headquarters and slaughters a bunch of people killing them in the night and eventually killing uh, Fred Hampton as well and um, basically uh, what it all showed was um, when the FBI wants to do something and uh, it's almost no feats that they would go at that point uh, to try to you know, quell a revolution because that's what that's what it was that they were doing. 
So some takeaways from the film that I had, and then I'll wrap this up. Uh, major takeaway was um, there's power not only in your message, but your ability to join and to have people of all races join together is more powerful. Uh, and I think that's what Fred was doing that made the powers that be uneasy. Huh. And also, wow, I'm almost missing something. The part at the end when it talked about, oh, when it showed uh, the documentary that aired in, I believe, 1989, The Eyes on the Prize 2, that had uh, William O'Neill giving his account of what what he did back then and what he would tell you know his his children his family about what he did when it panned after after it showed the actual bill o'neill and it panned and i think it said if not that night but the next day he committed suicide after that documentary wow i was shocked he he had been carrying that weight for a long time you would have to think because honestly, Fred, he did not think about himself at all. He was literally down to die for the cause no matter what. And even at the end, uh, when he thought he was going to prison and they gave him, the crowns gave him $5,000 to, you know, flee. He handed that money right back to them and said, no, you need to create uh, a medical clinic for the community so that people of lower, you know, socioeconomic status in the community would have a place to go when they were um, not well. So for you to be a part of the demise of somebody who was so unselfish, I know that weighed on him for so long. So uh, I would recommend any or in, and encourage anybody to go check out that Eyes on the Prize 2 that was aired by PBS in 1989 to get some further context on Bill and this situation uh, directly from the source. So with that being said, that's uh, my reaction. Um, not really a review, just my reaction thoughts on the film. Um, I thought it was tastefully done. I believe anybody, no matter what socioeconomic status where you've been in life, your race, your age. I think everybody should watch this. And I feel that when I was coming up through school, I never knew about stories like this. And I believe that that's a shame. I believe the curriculums need to be a, a bit more accurate about, you know, the stories. There's stuff that I learned in school that I don't apply at all to, you know, my life. And I feel like if we pull the curtain back and we actually get the truth about our stories and about our history, it'll only help all of us moving forward to understand our true human nature and what we need to do moving forward to success, to, to succeed, to be successful. 
So with that being said, this is uh, your host, Monte, signing off. That's that's another episode of Carrot Juice in the books. And yeah, uh, just hug somebody. All right. Eat something good, something great. Hug somebody. Love somebody. Um, and I'll catch you guys in the next episode. Peace.